first communicants, sometimes I give homilies from here. Sometimes I give homilies from here. Bishops get to sit down when they give homilies. Isn't that cool? Did you know that? If you're a bishop, you get to sit down and preach. Sign of teaching authority. I'm not a bishop. Thanks be to God, right? So I'm going to give my homily, not from there or there, but over here today, at least the first half. Hi, guys. Right here. So first communicants, if you could try to find a window so you can see me, this homily is for you. At least the first half, then I'll go back up there and tie it all together. Now, this might seem like a strange place to give a first communion homily, but when you're desperate, you do desperate things. I'm standing in front of what I think is one of the most beautiful images of the crucifixion of Jesus, not just in the city of Bismarck, not just in North Dakota, but I think in the whole wide world. Now, I might be biased, but I think it's beautiful. And like I said, it might seem like a strange, dreary, dark way to begin a First Communion homily. Don't worry. There's hope at the end. But I want to begin right here. Because I bet you many of us haven't taken the time to really focus on something. And there's one important point I want to make. So let's start from the outside. Each panel. Group of guys here. group of guys here. Some look very moved by Jesus giving up his life on the cross, don't they? Some could care less. Look, they really don't care, but they're there. This guy here with the big fancy hat with the feather on top holding a lance is the Roman soldier that pierced Jesus' body. And you can see in his right lung where that lance went. Over here, you have our blessed mother, don't you, second graders? What color is she wearing? What color is Mary wearing? Do you see her up there? What color is that? Blue? See the blue? Mary's always wearing blue. In fact, if you look at the nativity, Jesus' birth, Christmas, what color is Mary wearing? Yeah, blue. See that? That's how you know it's Mary. Mary's wearing blue. She's being held up by some of her friends, some of her family members. We call them the women of Jerusalem. At the very bottom here, this is Mary Magdalene, right here. She's a special friend of Jesus, that Jesus healed her. He cast out seven demons from her, we're told. And she's grieving the loss of her friend. The one I want to point out, though, is one that's there and some that are not. Do you see right between Mary and Jesus, there's a guy there with kind of a green top. Do you see him? I know from over there that frame is kind of blocking it, that window frame. But right to Mary's right, to Jesus' left, he has a rather young-looking face, right? That is St. John, the Apostle. Jesus' closest Apostle, isn't it? John had a hard time growing a beard. I know the feeling. Now, he was only probably in his late teens at the crucifixion. That's what a lot of scholars say. 
But notice John, he's one of the Jesus 12, right? Do you know what's interesting about the stained glass image? The other 11 apostles aren't in it. They didn't put put them in it. Do you know why? Because they weren't there. Did you know that? The other 11 had already left him because they were scared. The reason the apostles aren't there is because they weren't at Calvary. The only one that stayed was Mary, her friends, and St. John the Apostle. He was the only one that stayed. Isn't that something? He was the only one who stayed. Now, the other 11 apostles, before you get too sad, the other 11 would eventually come back, and Jesus would send them out to the whole world, and they would go to Emmons County and places like that and bring the gospel, thanks be to God, right? But on Good Friday, they weren't there. Did you know that this was the second time where an active follower of Jesus, meaning a friend of Jesus, somebody who had one time been in relationship with Jesus, an active follower of Jesus, this is the second time that a friend of Jesus left him. Except John. The second time. That begs the question, doesn't it? You're probably wondering, okay, then what was the first time? What was the first time where an active follower of Jesus who had once been in relationship with him left him? Can I tell you? You'll find it in the Bible. You'll find it when Jesus gave a sermon in a town called Capernaum. It's recorded in John chapter 6. So keep in mind what happened after Jesus said these words. Okay? Here we go. Amen, amen, I say to you. When Jesus says, amen, amen, I say to you, it means like when your mom says your middle name. (laughs) (laughs) Or your full name. It means, hey, listen up. Whenever Jesus says, amen, amen, I say to you, that means, uh uh-oh. Not just uh uh-oh, but let's listen. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, hold on to that word, and I in him. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Okay, Jesus said that. This isn't just Father Johnson making stuff up. Sometimes I do, but not this one. Okay. Now, you might be saying, huh, I wonder when they heard that what they thought. They probably thought, great, wonderful. No. Do you know what they said when he said that? This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And Jesus then re-emphasizes it and said, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And then here's what happens next. After this, many of his followers drew back and no longer walked with him. And for the first time ever recorded in Scripture, an active follower of Jesus left him because they didn't like what he was saying. Because he was talking about becoming their food and their drink. Do you know what Peter then said? Hey, Jesus you got a bunch of people leaving you. 
You got people leaving you like crazy. Can you like change your words, change your tone? Maybe re-explain it differently? Maybe not talk so literally. Jesus, they're leaving you. And do you know what Jesus said? Are you also going to leave? Jesus had every chance to say, hey, guys, I'm just kidding around. I'm not actually going to become your food. I'm not actually going to become your drink. I'm just teasing. Come back. Jesus didn't say that. He let him leave for the first time. The second time was there. Now, isn't that something? Everyone, the church for 2,000 years has protected these words. And we believe that we've really received the body and blood of Jesus, don't we? Isn't that amazing? And people for 2,000 years have had trouble with this. And Jesus says, no. Isn't that cool that you get to receive that God loves you so much that he becomes your food and your drink? He becomes real food for you and real drink. Now, can you imagine at the Last Supper, the day before Good Friday, can you imagine when Jesus took bread, said, take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body. Can you imagine the light bulb that went off? Oh, wow. He turned bread into his body. This is what he was talking about. This is what he was preparing us for. And for 2,000 years, every time you go to Mass, we re-celebrate that, and that happens again. The Last Supper happens again every single Mass. Now, i got to tell you something. You guys know Father Wolf, right? You know Father Wolf? You know he's moving? Father Wolf is moving to Bowman. Have you heard him tell you that yet? He loves to say, Bowman. He's moving to Bowman. He's going to become the pastor there. He's going to be a good pastor. I think Father Wolf, I think there's more in store for Father Wolf. I think someday Father Wolf might become the Pope. Just kidding. (laughs) But I do, kind of, because he's a really nice guy. He studied in Rome. He knows a little bit of Italian, right? Everyone likes him. Father Wolf could be the Pope someday. And maybe you've heard me say this before, but I want to say it again. If Father Wolf becomes the Pope, I have three requests. I have three requests when Father Wolf becomes the Pope. Number one, when he has to choose a driver for the Pope-mobile. Did you know that's a real thing, the Pope-mobile? You know how Batman has the Batmobile? The Pope has a Pope-mobile. It's white, right? Just like the Pope wears white. And somebody's got to drive it. And I want to be the driver, okay? I really do. I want to be the driver of the Pope-mobile. So, by that time, right, I'm going to need to be retired. And uh, it sounds like a great, great retirement job. Working weekends, driving Father Wolf around, drinking some cappuccino, all those things. That's the first request. Second request is this. Did you know that when you become the Pope? When you become the Pope, you have to change your name, right? So Pope Francis, his name before he was Pope was Jorge, George. And then he was elected Pope. They said, what's your name? He said, Francis. So you change your name when you become the Pope. Father Wolf, I wanted him to change his name to Jared, but it already is Jared. I wanted him to be Pope Jared. So maybe he could be Pope Johnson. Huh? Doesn't that have a nice ring to it? (laughs) Pope Johnson? And then the next guy who's Pope Johnson would be Pope Johnson II, Pope Johnson III. I think that'd be kind of fun. Pope Johnson. Okay. Here's my serious request to Father Wolf. Excuse me, Pope Wolf, Pope Johnson, Pope, Pope whatever, okay. 
Here's my serious request. One Sunday a year. He spends, sends out a special message to every priest, every deacon, every minister of Holy Communion. One Sunday a year. One Sunday a year when people come forward for Holy Communion and you reverently bow and the priest or the deacon or the minister say the body of Christ, the body of Christ, they don't say that. One Sunday of year when you come forward, I want Father Wolf to make us all say God. 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 Because that's what's happening at Holy Communion. Can you imagine how that would change hearts? Now, I don't think that's really going to happen, but it's true, and it's based on Jesus' words. I said there was a word that I wanted you to remember, okay? The word was remain. Jesus says, if we feed on him, we remain in him. The way that we stay in friendship with Jesus, first communicants, is by staying close to the Eucharist. The gospel said, remain in me and you will bear much fruit. The way that God can use us the best is by staying in close relationship with him. And the way we stay in friendship with Jesus is really, really simple. We stay close to the Eucharist. That's how we stay in friendship with Jesus. Forever and ever and ever. Okay? And today is the beginning of something so exciting. Because today is the beginning of a whole new relationship you get to have with Jesus that lasts not just in this life, but forever and ever. Remain in Jesus, and we remain in him by staying close to the Eucharist.